I have all these experiences and ultimately they're extremely selfish, but they're very, very profound experiences for myself. And if I could want for anything, I would just want everybody else to have that experience too. And I think, you know, I think obviously that's impossible, but if you could, if you could create a scenario where that, you know, that's, that's something that's happening, that might have the most profound effect on, on, on the future of conservation. Welcome to the Sustainable Jungle Podcast. I'm Joy, and today I'm talking to Gautam Shah, a National Geographic explorer and the founder of Internet of Elephants, a social enterprise based in Kenya and the United States that creates mobile games, augmented reality, and data visualizations to help build a stronger connection between people and wild animals. Gautam is a fascinating guy who quit a long career at Accenture to focus entirely on conservation and wildlife. We cover his transition and the innovative work that Internet of Elephants is doing to build an army of urban conservationists. As always, you can find the show notes for this episode, including all of the relevant links over at sustainablejungle.com forward slash podcast. Now, let's talk next generation conservation with Gautam Shah. Welcome to our show, Gautam. Let's start with a little bit more about you. Where were you born and where did you grow up? Sure. I was born in Chicago. Uh, and uh, primarily, I grew up in the in the suburbs of Chicago. Okay, so Chicago—that is uh, not what yeah. not, not the answer that I expected, considering you're in Kenya right now. Uh, what 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 took you to Kenya? So yeah, I, you know, I grew, grew up in Chicago. It's still—I mean, it's still my favorite favorite city in the world. But I haven't lived there in a, in, in in quite a long time. When I, um, you know, right out of college, I started working for a large IT consulting company called Accenture. Um, I think it's like 400,000 people now, not, not that is not that big when I, when I was there and I, I spent basically almost my entire career working, working for Accenture, which, you know, towards the end actually had me traveling and living in India, living in Argentina, um, and eventually living in, living in Kenya, working, working for Accenture. So I had switched into their nonprofit practice, uh, uh towards the end of my time there. Um, and, the and the first place that I get, I got sent was, uh, was Nairobi to to do IT strategy work for for various nonprofits, um, social enterprises, uh, foundations, etc. within uh, within the Kenyan landscape. Um, so that's how I that's how I ended up in Kenya. And then when you know when I when I made the decision to get into wildlife conservation, going back to Chicago didn't seem like the the the, the best choice. And so I, I stayed. What did you specialize in initially at Accenture? I I, I took this. Yeah, I took the standard, you know, when I joined Accenture, it was a very standard path. Um, and, uh, you know, you started out as a coder, uh, you, you know, develop, you know, almost 100% of the time developing business applications. And then you started to design those applications and you started to manage teams and you started to manage projects and programs. And so that was very, you know, that was very much my life there, you know, eventually at the end, just managing large software delivery projects. Um, both for external clients as well as you know internally within Accenture. The, the only caveat to that is, like I said at the end, when I switched into our nonprofit practice, I was doing much more IT strategy work um, uh, for yeah for you know for the nonprofits and for for foundations and social enterprises. Right, and is that what planted the seed for you to sort of move your focus into wildlife and conservation permanently? It's what gave me the confidence to do so. Um, so. I mean, my, my passion, my passion, what I, what I always, what I loved was wildlife. And, and one of the things, uh, you know, Accenture afforded you is a lot of holiday time 
um, and you know, reasonable pay to, to be able to afford to take the time and, and, and go and see animals all over the world. And so that's what, that's what I did. That's what I used to, I used to do. I've, you know, I've been kind of everywhere in the world and spent that time with uh, all sorts of different wild, you know, wild, wild animals. But I never really thought that it could be my career. My, my assumption was, well, you've got to have a PhD, you've got to be a biologist, you've got to be a zoologist, and, 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 uh, uh, or you've got to have 10, 15 years of experience within the sector to be able to work in the sector. So never really occurred to me that I could actually make a career, you know, within, within wildlife and within wildlife conservation. Um, but by, by working in the nonprofit practice, I was doing strategy work for, you know, agriculture sector, education sector, health sector, youth economic employment sector. And I didn't know anything about those areas either. Um, but I found that I absolutely had a role to play. There was something that I, you know, that I, I was valuable at and, and, and a role for me to play in each of those places. And so that gave me the confidence to say, well, you know, if I can, if I can do this work in the health sector or the education sector, which I, I don't know anything about, I can certainly do it in the wildlife sector, which is something that I actually do know something about. And so, yeah, it was, uh, it gave me a lot of confidence to be able to say that, that there is something I can do. Yeah. Not that I knew what that was, but just <laughs> that um, that there was going to be, you know, there was going to be something and it would be worth taking the risk to find out what it was. And just curious, going back to your move within Accenture into the not-for-profit sector, was that something that where the opportunity presented itself and you and you took it or were you did you sort of want to design your career that way? I, you know, it was a little bit of a perfect storm. So I had worked at Accenture 20 years. Um, you know, and that, it, that builds up some savings to, you know, and if you're risk averse like me, it's, it's just a little bit nicer to have a little bit of, 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 of savings to know that you can take a little bit of a risk with your career. I was done with the, you know, with the Accenture work and I was, you know, already migrating towards trying to make my career more meaningful to me, uh, you know, hence the switch into the nonprofit practice. I was here in Kenya, uh, you know, already. Um, and I was gaining this confidence, like, you know, like I mentioned. And so um, now that, that, that no, nothing presented itself, I, I just realized that unless I just, again, knowing myself, unless I quit and unless I put focus into figuring out what, you know, what it might be, it's, it's never going to it's never going to happen. and It's never going to just present itself. And so I just quit and decided to then spend some time figuring it out. So, so let's talk about what happened next. How did Internet of Elephants come to be? So I, I quit and I just started to, what I started to do is like, I don't know anybody in the conservation space. I knew, you know, I knew one person, prominent person in India, um, but certainly no one within the African context. And so just from, you know, from that one person, I just started to branch out and, and start to create a network and start to meet people and start to ask them, you know, Hey, this is my skill set. What can my skill set provide, uh, to the, you know, to the, to the conservation space, um, and, you know, what are the roles I can potentially play? Um, I didn't really know where that it would end up. I, I, what I figured would end up is that I would just, you know, get an IT-related job at a large conservation NGO. But, you know, as I, as I went through that process and as I started to really understand, like, what are the, what are the, act, you know, what are the problems? What are my insights into the, into the problems? And, you know, where's my background going to be, you know, best suited? Um, I, you know, I just, I just started to realize that I, I don't, think that there's that much innovation in the space of public engagement um, and it just kept it kept coming back to me is that 
I go on all these amazing trips and I swim with whale sharks and I sit with penguins and I, you know, I, I sit with chimpanzees and, you know, I have all these things, you know, I have all these experiences and ultimately they're extremely selfish, but they're very, very profound experiences for myself. And if I could want for anything, I would just want everybody else to have that experience too. And I think, you know, I think obviously that's impossible, but if you could, if you could create a scenario where that, you know, that's, that's something that's happening that might have the most profound effect on, on, on the future of conservation. And so that really started guiding my thinking to like, okay, how can we do that? How can we do that? How can we do that? And, you know, what are the roles that technology has played in connecting people and, you know, and, and, and creating emotion and creating empathy and, you know, in, in other sectors. Um, and that, that's where, you know, that's kind of what's sort of leading my brain down that, that, that path, right? Okay, my mission in the conservation space is going to be around public engagement. What I bring to the table is, you know, knowledge of the, of the technology sector. I'm going to try and figure out how to marry technology and, you know, and, and, and public engagement. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, and then there's a lot of more, more detailed stories specifically about how Internet of Elephants came to be. Um, but that was, you know, that's essentially the idea as if, if people can be connected via the internet to other people, if they can be connected to the refrigerators, if they can be connected to their cars, you know, what would happen if they were better connected with animals and uh, wildlife all around the world? How would, how would that change the, how would that change things? For the future? Right. So it's in, in, in its rawest form, you could connect somebody that you, you know, passed in the street in Chicago when you grew up there uh, with, somebody with with a story in africa of a, a particular animal or an individual animal is that the idea essentially yeah you know and it it, it is and, and one of the well actually now now kind of thinking about it a little bit more um about i think about the time that that i was quitting or somewhere around there is when the whole cecil the lion thing happened i, I don't know if you remember that and if the audience knows about that right but but Cecil the lion was shot. Cecil the lion was a collared lion. Um, so they were tracking data about, about Cecil. And the whole world went absolutely nuts. Uh, uh, because it was, it was an individual lion. He had a name. He had a brother. Uh, he was killed by the evil dentist. Right? Like There was just this whole thing about that. And I just kept thinking, like, ah, but everybody right now is so focused on Cecil. Like, you know, like in the Truman Show. Um, and, but, but, but it's after he died. And, and what if everybody had that level of attention, that level of interest, uh, while Cecil was, you know, while Cecil was alive. So what if we were celebrating his life rather than mourning his death? Um, and I think that's, that's what made that, you know, that was one of the things that also made me realize it's like, ah, but, you know, what if we could create this level of following this level of interest in, in individual animals and this level of connection so that somebody from, you know, somebody from St. Louis has a, you know, has a relationship with a, you know, with an orangutan in, in, in Borneo that they could otherwise, you know, they, they could otherwise never have had. And I, I didn't know what form that would take. It, it, it all sounds a bit, you know, it sounds a bit weird. Um, but, but conceptually that, that's what we were, that's what we were really trying to look into. I just love that idea. I mean, like you, I've been very you know, fortunate and privileged to be able to travel a lot and do a lot of conservation related travel and seen, you know, beautiful, similar to, you know, like, uh, swimming with, with whale sharks and spending time with the gorillas in Rwanda and so on. 
you know, it, mm-hmm. it, it is, as you say, it's extremely formative and it gives you this amazing empathy towards the natural world that you wouldn't otherwise have, I don't think. I don't think I would have had that if I hadn't, you know, had that exposure. Um, and now that I'm, you know, stuck in Australia and I can't see any of these animals, um, the the ability to be connected to them in such a way. I mean, I don't know if you've watched um, Wild Earth TV, so the safari, where you can sort of like go on virtual safaris. Mm-hmm. It's I, I, I spend like a lot of time watching virtual safaris where often they're mm. just driving around in the truck, but you actually get a sense that you, you know, you might spot something or you might see something cool and it does feel like you are just like that much more connected. But I just, I just love this idea of, of connecting, you know, people who've never had exposure or can't have exposure to, to individual animals. It's such an awesome idea. So, so what is the, um, what is, what is internet of elephants today? What does it look like? Well, you know, one, one, so Internet of Elephants technically started, I, I guess, now about four and a half years ago. And mission-wise, mission, mission in, in terms of trying to, to create massive engagement with wildlife and wildlife conservation, uh, it's very much stayed the same. Um, the details of, of how we do it and, 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 and what we do have, you know, been in, in flux and, and have not, not pivoted, but, you know, have had to adjust in, in, in a number of ways as, you know, as, as, as a typical startup would need to do. Um, but, you know, at, at the core, what, what, what we do is we take scientific data um, and, and that data could be, you know, data that's like G- GPS data, it could be camera trap data, it could be vocalization data, or it could even just be sort of behavioral, you know, observations that, that researchers do. And we look for ways to create s- stories out of that data, which actually is not that difficult because the stories are pretty, pretty, pretty fantastic. Um, and then deliver those stories through the, you know, through the channel of games or, 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 or other types of interactive, uh, interactive media. Um, so at the heart of everything, it's always uh, wildlife and wildlife science, uh, and the way that that manifests to the to the user is all you know is typically in the form of something that you can do something with. Um, and you know the easiest way of you know of putting that is you know is often often in the form of a often in the form of a game. Um, through you know in in the process of doing that. Obviously, we are trying to communicate conservation-related issues, conservation-related, you know, information, knowledge, um, but in a way that suits, you know, hopefully in a way that suits the audience, in a way that suits the user, in in a way that is not preachy, and in a way that is not all about gloom and doom, in a way that's not trying to prick your conscience, um, but actually is acknowledging uh, uh, the, you know, the way that people, you know, the way that people actually feel about wildlife, the way that people actually feel about conservation, um, you know, and then, you know, and then hopefully trying to create the empathy and the, and the actions uh, from doing that. Very cool. So tell me to, to sort of bring this to life. Tell me a bit about uh, some of your favorite Internet of Elephants products. Sure. Um, I will tell you about the most recent one, which we just launched a couple uh, a couple weeks ago. It's called Unseen Empire, um, and so Unseen Empire is all about cam- is well the 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 data uh, that we focus on is camera trap data, um, and so we work actually with uh, uh, with a gentleman named David McDonald and an organization called Wild Crew, and and they funnily and totally coincidentally are also the organization that was studying Cecil the lion um, when uh, uh, when he was shot. Um, but David and his his team 
uh, have been working on a 10-year camera trap study in Southeast Asia. Uh, and, and the whole point of that camera trap study was to understand the habitats, uh, uh, threats, etc., of the clouded leopard. In the, process of, uh, in the process of doing that, they've taken over 5 million camera trap images um, across like 250 or 260 different species that they, that they captured, most of which, you know, Joy, even you and I would never have heard of, you know, despite probably, you know, thinking that we, you know, we know all things about animals. Um, and it, it's, it's just, A, it's fascinating images. B, it's fascinating data, and C, it's fascinating stories, uh, often about the people that actually just have to lay these camera traps and, and, and what it takes to do a 10-year study like this. So what we did was we created, we created a game uh, uh, that recreates that study, and it kind of puts you in the shoes of the person that, that is uh, um, laying the traps IDing the photos, making the decisions about you know what's the next site that you're going to go you know go to, and making you know making decisions about what you're doing with all the data and all the information that you're you're gathering along the way. Ultimately, yeah, I mean, so it's about all of that. Ultimately, the the gameplay is very much about trying to ID these very candid photographs of animals that you you know that you've never that you've never heard of, and you know and build up your database of all the different things that you're that you're seeing. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's something that uh, that we that we've just uh, uh, you know that we've just launched, and the whole the whole idea with that is we don't want it to just stop only with this one camera trap study that happened in Southeast Asia, but hopefully expand it um, to studies that are happening you know to the studies that are happening all over the world, and give people a glimpse into all these incredible, incredible candid photographs uh, uh, you know that are being captured you know everywhere. Um, but just in a way that's you know that's totally a, a totally different experience that you would than you would uh, than you would normally have. Wow, that is uh, very creative, uh, very cool. I love it. Um, the other one I wanted to ask you about was uh, was was one that I can imagine the the sportsman listening might be very interested in, which was the um, the run wild. So. We, we, you know, when we first started Internet of Elephants, a lot of what we thought about was, okay, what are the different fun things that you can do with, G, you know, animal GPS data? Uh, and that's where we, we thought like, oh, but these animals are moving around. It's almost like they're wearing Fitbits. Um, uh, you know, we, they, they're obviously not tracking their, their fitness, but we are in a, in a, in a, in a funny way. And what if, we, what if we started to use that and compare that? With our own movements, um, and you know, and how, how would that you know a create that direct connection between what I'm doing in my daily life and what another animal is doing in its daily life, um, but also potentially you know just motivate motivate people to exercise uh, more. So we'd always wanted to create um, we'd always wanted to create a game or an app uh, that lets you do that, but it just it just made no sense to try and compete uh, with existing fitness trackers, et cetera, that are, you know, that are out there. And so we never, you know, we never did it. Um, but eventually we managed to partner up with, uh, an organization called Runtastic, which is now part of Adidas. Um, and they already had a, you know, they already had a fitness tracker that's being used by 150 million people, you know, all around the world. And so we pitched the idea to them about, you know, running campaigns and, and, and partnering up with conservation organizations that had GPS data on, on, on wildlife and, and getting, you know, their existing user base 
uh, uh, to compete against, you know, against these animals based on real data. And then, you know, actually telling the stories of, uh, of the individual animals, those little bite-sized stories every day, as if you, you know, as if they were out for a run, taking a photograph and talking about things that are going on in their life. And so, you know, it's, we didn't have to create something. We didn't have to create something new. We were taking advantage of a platform that already existed, a platform that already reached 150, you know, that 150 million people, you know, were already using. Um, and we just had to figure out how to integrate, you know, how to integrate the wildlife data into it. Um, and so, yeah, very, very exciting. In the first year that we did it, we did it with a snow leopard um, uh, who lived in Mongolia. Um, and we had, you know, just as a pilot, we had a, a, about 500,000 people participate. Um, and then last year, we increased it to three animals uh, uh, so that we could engage people of different fitness levels. Uh, so a pangolin uh, <laughs> for people who do, you know, who don't move too much, a pangolin from, from Kenya, a tiger from Bhutan for people that, you know, move a medium uh, uh, amount, and then an elephant from Angola. Uh, uh, for people that, you know, that really actually are, are, are more serious runners. And, uh, and, and last year we had, you know, over a million people participate. Wow. A million people. That's impressive. A million people. Yeah. And I mean, and, and that's over 10 days. Wow. Um, so the, the goal with it is to, you know, is to kind of keep increasing that to hopefully make it something that you can, you know, that you can run against these animals and learn their stories, not just when the campaign is on, but all year. Um, that, you know, that we get more and more animals in there, more and more conservation organizations that, you know, that, that can benefit from it, that we, we actually start to generate some revenue, you know, some, not revenue, but uh, money that goes directly back to those organizations. So the idea, hopefully, you know, Adidas willing is that, um, you know, it just kind of continues to grow and, you know, maybe becomes the largest, the largest campaign around public engagement with wildlife that, you know, that there is and, 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 and all through athletes and the, and the fitness tracker. Yeah, I guess that's one thing that I wanted to ask you about was um, was the funding and how that works, sort of how that how that trickles back. Um, because I was thinking of the the story on on the website, the Internet of Elephants website, where they had uh, where you guys had the um, the movement of the one lion who got locked out of her ter- mm. of her territory, and I just thought, you know, like if you had engagement from people all over the world suddenly upset about this one lion who's been locked out of her territory, you could potentially raise funds pretty quickly to, you know, get the fence moved or whatever you need to get the right conservation movements happening. Um, is that sort of the intent of how you sort of feed back funding back to the places that need it? This is a great question, Joy. And and honestly, if, if, if there was one question that I wish I had the answer to after four years of doing this, it would be this one. Right. Um, we haven't figured out the right model. I mean, I'll just be straight honest with you is, is we haven't figured out the right model. Um, I have, I have in theory, always never wanted internet of elephants to be about creating donation campaigns. Of course. Yeah. Um, and there's plenty of organizations that know how to get donations, right? And there's plenty of organizations that are super efficient um, at at getting, you know, and getting donations. What they're, what they're, you know, ultimately not um, great at is expanding the tent to get donations from, you know, from a, a, a very new audience, and not great at, you know, perhaps activating people in ways other than, you know, other than giving money. So. I had I had always wanted to try and create games and create these experiences in a way that you're paying for the experience, um, 
and that in doing so, you know, the vast majority of what you're paying for is that, you know, it's just ultimately being driven back to the conservation, you know, organization in, in, in question. So, for example, Wildiverse is a, you know, Wildiverse is a game that we created about, about apes in Borneo and Congo. Um, and the whole, you know, the whole idea with that was that, you know, you, you, you could get Wildiverse for free, but then in, you know, in playing Wildiverse, there were many, many opportunities to buy things within the game that would help you within the game, that would make the game more fun, etc. And in doing so, know that in the process of doing that, yeah, you, you, you were, you know, you're buying uh, something for the game, but but that that money was going, you know, that money was going directly to the Borneo Nature Foundation or the Global Triangle Ape Project, which are the two organizations that we worked with. Um, and so, generally speaking, the idea is that we're a for-profit organization that, uh, you know, that our products uh, uh, in some way will bring in, you know, bring in money from the consumers that play them, and that our charter as a company is to draw, you know, is to increasingly drive the majority of that money directly back to the partners that we, you know, that we've got. Um, you know, I, I think ultimately we're going to have to 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 have different models depending on you know de depending on the projects, uh, 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 you know, depending on the projects that we're that we're working on. Um, but ultimately, yeah, ultimately the intention is, you know, quite honestly, that that between thirty and seventy percent. Of, of all the money that's generated goes, you know, just goes directly into the pockets of the conservation organizations we work with. We're just, we're just still trying to figure out what's the, what's the best business model for us and what's the best business model for how to get, you know, how to drive, how to drive funding into, into conservation. At the same time, I also do want to emphasize that everything that we do doesn't have the ultimate goal of generating funds. So, uh, you know, Unseen, Unseen Empire, for example, will never generate a penny uh, or will potentially never generate a, you know, never generate a penny. Uh, it's, you know, it's just not that type of a product. So it's much more of an educational, you know, it's just more, it's more of an educational related product. So the outcome or the impact that we're trying to have there, you know, is, you know, is on the education around tech and conservation is on the education of, you know, biodiversity in places that you've, you know, that you've never heard of. Um, and, and, you know, whereas other pro, you know, whereas, whereas something like run wild could have, you know, possibilities of really raising a lot of money but that's just getting a lot of that's also just getting a lot of people to participate and to be thinking about wildlife on a daily basis uh you, you know w with the things that they do in their everyday life and then there's other projects that have you know that ultimately do have a goal of just hopefully trying to raise tens of millions of dollars yeah it's, a, it's such a tricky thing with social enterprise you know how do you get the right model to generate the funds to make it a sustainable ongoing you know, going concern, yeah. but also have the, you know, also have the impact that you're desiring um, as part of your mission, right? So I wanted to ask about your, about this sort of desired impact, which you've already touched on quite a bit. Um, and, and it's obviously still very much early days, but, you know, if you, if you were to think, say, five years down the line, what would you hope to have seen from these games? And sort of sure. what are your sort of most encouraging signs of it, of it working so far? We, we, yeah, if we if we really think about this in the in the long term, which is, I think the only way that we can think about it. Like, yeah, I mean, I can have I can have short term goals, and I'm you know I'm sure that we can I can I'm sure we can achieve them, and and and, and they'll they'll feel very good. But ultimately, ultimately, what are we trying to do with you know what are you trying to do with public engagement, and why is it so important? Um, one is, you know, we want to influence consumer behavior. 
and we want to influence, I should say, we want to influence consumer markets. So how are the products and services that are being sold becoming far more environmentally friendly? And how is that happening because consumers are demanding? it? Yeah, that's one of the absolute biggest impacts that we can have within within the conservation space. But that's not something, you know, that's not something that can happen. Two is how is policy being influenced? Again, because the will of citizens and the will of people and the will of constituents are demanding that policy uh, uh, change again to be more environmentally friendly. And then third, how is available financing changing uh, to finance you know on the ground inter- you know on the ground interventions again because the will of the people is actually raising that financing to be available. And so our long-term goal is to influence, you know, is to influence. And, 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 and again, we're, we're going to be one company, but ultimately, hopefully, we can catalyze a much larger movement in, the, in these directions, which influences, you know, all of those three areas. That's all 20, 25, 30 year, you know, down the line uh, you know, types, of, uh, types of goals. Um, in, the, in the short, you know, in the, in the short term, what we're looking to see is that the mediums that can reach people, the mediums that can engage people, um, and the mediums that people are interacting with on a, on a regular basis, that those are including uh, um, stories, topics, content about wildlife, about climate change, about the environment, about the planet. Um, so again, this just becomes part of your daily life as opposed to something that you just read about every, you know, every so often or something that's kind of shoved down your throat every once in a while when a new report comes out that tells you, you know, everything is going to hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and, th- you know, those are the little pieces of evidence that we're, you know, that we're, that we're looking for. Um, and, you know, maybe we helped influence it. Maybe we didn't. I, you know, I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to, trying to figure that out. Um, but that is, um, you know, that is hopefully, you know, what we're, uh, that's hopefully what we're, what we're starting to see. And each of our games, uh, you know, is hopefully, you know, again, providing, uh, for us small amounts of evidence of what can happen or small amounts of evidence of what didn't work so that we can try something new that, you know, something new the next time. And I mean, one thing that we haven't quite covered on this podcast yet for those that, you know, are not fully across why conservation is even important in the first place. Um, and, and maybe we can frame this from a, from a personal perspective. I mean, I watched your, your video from the National Geographic Explorers Festival, and you said that you want to build an army of urban conservationists, which I love the idea of, urban conservationists, which would have been an oxymoron not so long ago. Um, you know, I want to know sort of why you think this is such an important thing to tackle personally um you know why is it important to you to use your skills in this way Uh, just speaking very personally and this is not to project this on anybody else right and i I think this is always tough like why i find something is important is not necessarily why i think you should find it important of course um um, i i find it important because i I, i'm just i'm personally fascinated with all life forms on 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 earth and under 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 the ocean um I, you know, I can see a microorganism, you know, in the ocean, or I can see an, an, an elephant, you know, on land. And I am just equally 
in, in, in awe of both and the fact that all of this exists, including, including human life and, you know, everything, all the diversity that exists. So I, I just, every single day, I, you know, I, 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 I'm in awe of all the things that, that are on earth. I have no idea why they all exist. I have no idea the purpose of, of, of I, I just, but, but, but that's what's also kind of so much fun is there's no answer. Um, it's just all there for me to just be amazed at. Um, and so emotionally speaking, it's very hard for me. It's very hard me, for me to think that, that, you know, that that's, you know, he, you know, kind of heading in a, in a, in a, in a, in a very negative in a very negative direction or that these things that have existed you know may not may not exist anymore i mean we have we have colobus monkeys that live around us but we also have a lot of farms and, and there's not that many and sometimes people's dogs uh, kill them um and i just like when i hear that even just one colobus monkey you know in in this this area was killed and like but there's only nine left and now one was killed by a dog like i struggle i just struggle so much with that without without you know without thinking about it too much and so that's that's why it's you know that's why it's you know that's why it's important to me personally because i, I i'm just i'm just amazed by 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 all of it and, and and love all of it um and i mean i guess that just kind of gets to your 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 next question is if i have that feeling if that's what is the pervasive feeling in, you know, in my life on a, on a, on a daily basis. And I do feel fear and sadness, et cetera. When, when I see some of, you know, some of what's going on, uh, I just think that there's almost, there's almost no choice, uh, for me, uh, uh, you know, except, uh, except to see, you know, what, what's the role that I can, you know, what's the role that I can play in, you know, in helping. Um, and I, I, I sometimes I'm like, why did it take me 25 years to, you know, or 20 years to, why did it take me 20 years to figure that out? And that's, that's a whole other question of, you know, kind of just diving into who I used to be and who I am. Um, but, um, but nonetheless, nonetheless, uh, uh, you know, I have as much time as I have left. Um, and, and this is what I want to be doing. That's an excellent segue into my next question because, uh, I wanted to ask you about your advice for others. So in your bio on the National Geographic website, it says, he is still ruining his back and his eyesight behind a desk and a laptop, but at least he is using his background and experience towards what is most important. So I'm sure there's a lot of people, a lot of super smart professionals out there who are in a sim similar positions to what you were in, uh, who feel that they're not doing enough and want to do more, something more meaningful. What, what would your advice be to those people? I, I guess my, my, my advice, well, well, what I used to ask myself is what's holding me back? And I broke that, you know, I broke that down a lot. And, and, and I'm, I'm a big believer in that you do what your priorities, your priorities dictate what you, you know, what you do. So if, you, if you're not working out and you have an excuse, it's not really an excuse. It's just you have a different, pri you know, if you have a different priority, no matter how much you say that you want to get in shape. And I think if you say that you really want to, um, you really want to do something or you really want to help or you really you know, want to change things, but you don't, that's not bad. It's just, it's just because there's another, there's another priority, you know, there's another priority that, 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 that you've got. And so what helped, what helped me was to, to, to look at that in a little bit, in a little bit more detail and say like, okay, but what are those, what are those other priorities? Are they truly, 
the priorities are they they're truly the things that i you know that 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 i need to make sure exist in you know exist in my life or you know are there are there compromises i can make there are there ways that i can i can shift things around so i i i really don't like to give advice to other other people because it's it's such a it's such a personal it's such a personal a thing um but if you are having those feelings and you are you know you are thinking to yourself you know hey listen i've been in my corporate career for five years 10 years 15 years 20 years um, I, you know, I said, like, yeah, are you truly stuck there? Um, or, you know, do you, do you actually have, you know, do you actually have a lot of choices that, you know, that most people in the world don't have the luxury of having, um, you know, and what, you know, what, what choices do you want, you know, what choices do you want to make? And, and, and one of the things that, that struck me when I started to doing that, started doing that was this feeling like that was the first time I really started feeling that life was short. Um, um, and that, that I had waited, you know, that I had waited too long, um, and that all the things that I now wanted to, you know, I wanted to accomplish, you know, I've got, you know, I've got 20 years less to, you know, to, you know, to accomplish them. Um, at the same time, maybe I had 20 years of experience that will help me in, you know, in what I'm doing, or, you know, I had to go through certain experiences and I had to, to find my way there without, you know, without kind of artificially forcing it. Um, but at the, yeah, at the same time, it's just like, yeah, what, what are the, what are the barriers? Why, why am I not doing it? And how can I get, you know, how can I get rid of those barriers? The other, the other thing I said, just want to mention something. I, I was on a, I was on a panel with, uh, Dr. Ian Redmond recently, uh, of, uh, sort of mountain gorilla fame. And he said something that, that struck me was that he often gets asked, how can I create a career in conservation? And his answer back to people was, how can you put conservation into your career? Mm. And I thought that I, I really liked that. I mean, I've, I've still been thinking about that, but I, I really, you know, I really like that as a, you know, as a, as a different, you know, as a different form of framing. So, and I think what he's just kind of saying is you don't necessarily have to drastically change your life um, and, you know, and quit your job and, 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 you know, jump into the jungles of the Congo and, and, and try and save the bonobo. Um, but you know, what are the, what are the, what are the ways that you can actually, you know, do things incrementally within what you already do, um, uh, you know, that bring conservation, you know, already, you know, directly into your career. And so I, I've been, I've been using, or I've been borrowing that from, uh, from him and, and whoever you may have borrowed it from. I love that. That's very wise. Um, and just thinking slightly more broadly, uh, with a similar, along a similar vein, uh, if you could get one message into the head of every human on earth and have it truly heard, what would that be? If, it, if, it's, if it's a message about conservation, I think, I think the message would be, this is hard. This makes all of us feel conflict. This makes all of us feel anxiety. It, you know, it's perfectly okay. It's perfectly okay to feel that conflict. It's perfectly okay to feel that anxiety. Even those of us that you know, that work in, you know, in the quote unquote conservation sector, you know, feel that, you know, feel that every day. So there's, there's no, there's no guilt to be had. There's no, um, um, there, there, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with feeling that there's no sense that you're, you know, that anybody's a bad person or, 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 or anything like that because they, they, they have conflict about recycling or, you know, or something, you know, or, or, or something else. And I, you know, I think, I think it's, I think, I've learned a lot from someone from someone named Dr. Renee Lertzman about just the, kind of the way that we message is is always this this sense of guilt or always this sense of something wrong or always a sense of people not caring. 
Um, and you know, the reality is that people, you know, people care and we, you know, we just, we're just not acknowledging it. Um, and so I don't know exactly what message would be joy, but I, I think it would be, I think it would be something along the, you know, I think it would be something along those lines of, of, um, like, you know, I totally understand uh, what, what you're feeling. I feel the, the exact same, you know, the exact same things. Um, and, you know, that's, that's the first step. Uh, uh, you know, that's the first step in us being able to do anything uh, uh, for the better. The good old eco-anxiety that we're all feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So circling back to the Internet of Elephants, uh, I just wanted to, to hear about whether there's anything exciting coming up in the next year or sort of what's next for, for the Internet of Elephants this year. Yeah. Uh, so one is, uh, I think I mentioned, we're trying to expand both Unseen Empire and Wilderverse to new habitats. Um, so Wilderverse focused on the Congo and Borneo. Um, we would like to expand it to focus on other habitats. Uh, as well and the same you know the same for unseen empire so one of the big um it's always very exciting to work on new projects um but i think it's also very very important to keep building keep learning from the projects that you've already created keep making them better um keep investing in, in them if you're seeing you know if you're seeing encouraging results and so those are you know those are the two of the big priorities that we've uh, you know that we've got um and um, another thing that we're working on actually is doing something that we typically don't do, but doing uh, uh, some market research into the potential for, for, for marketplaces for wildlife uh, data and for wildlife science. And when I say marketplaces, I mean positive marketplaces, not the, not the marketplaces that potentially exist that are, you know, that are nefarious. Um, so we're going to be diving into that a little bit more and trying to create a number of different prototypes about different possibilities for how scientific data can, and, and in this case, it is very specifically, how can that generate, you know, I think, you know, in the hundreds of millions of dollars uh, uh, for, for, for conservation. Um, and so a lot of our focus this year will be, will be on very, very quick prototyping to see what are the, what are the possibilities for, you know, for what can be, what can really be really huge in the, in the market. And then there's a couple, uh, there's a couple other really kind of big ideas that I just hope everybody gets a chance to see, but I'm, I'm not yet in a position to, to, to be able to, to speak about. But one of them deals with animal migrations, um, and one of them deals with wildlife filmmaking. Sounds very cool. Very cool. So watch this space. Yes, absolutely. Please watch this space. And finally, how can people support the Internet of Elephants? How can they download the games? Who should be downloading the games? Is everyone yeah. does it suit everyone, or is it you know specific games that are better for kids, or where can they go to you know have a look? Each each game is is everything that we do is suitable both for adults and kids. We always build them for adults, knowing that they'll work for kids. Um, so you'll never kind of go and see very cartoony uh, stuff uh, uh, that we do. That's you know it's just not kind of the space that we're in. But we get fantastic reviews, for, you know, especially from you know kids in the eleven and up range uh, on, on on our products. Most of what we do, often we get really good results, also from parents playing with their kids um, and doing you know doing it uh, doing it together. Um, so the best way that you can you know the best way that anybody can help um, you know Internet of in, Internet of Elephants is by downloading the games, playing them, leaving reviews, writing to me, and giving us your you know giving us your feedback. Uh, you know that's the absolute that's the absolute best way. 
The easiest way to see our products is to go to internetofelephants.com. Um, and from, you know, and from there, you can see the different things that we've created and the different ways that you can, you can get them, almost all of which are available on the Both on this is the most interesting topic and such a cool idea. We are so excited to spread the word and see Internet of Elephants take over the gaming world. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. I don't know about you, but I'm super excited to try the games from Internet of Elephants. What an awesome way to connect to wildlife and wild places. We hope that you found this episode as inspiring and as exciting as we did. And perhaps it even challenged you to bring more meaning into your career like Gautam has done. As always, thank you for listening and we will catch you next time.